I used to order a lot of pizza. And one day, my local pizza place got a new driver who way overstepped the boundaries of what is acceptable. He tried to force his way into my home to share dinner with me, and he just had general creepy behavior. So because of this experience, I stopped ordering pizza. About two months after the creepy pizza guy incident, I hear scratching at the side of my home. I figure it may just be an animal as I live outside the city, so there are animals usually looking for a place to nest, especially with all the freezing snow outside. So I do what I usually do and let my dog out. He's a huge 120 pound dog. He just bolts out the door. Again, not unlike him when there's an animal outside. But about 15 to 20 seconds later, I hear screaming and swearing. A guy, screaming in pain. Terrified, I yell for my dog to come back, and I call the police. They do a search of the outside of the house, and what they find is blood. Lots of blood, and pry marks at the side of my house. We go through the footage, and sure enough, there's a person who's trying to force the window open. The dog charges him and bites him right in the ass and then his leg pretty bad. The guy then proceeds to get up and limps off my property. At the front of my property and the entrance of my driveway, I have a camera that's well hidden. I get the guy going to his car and his plate number and the cops take it and go to the hospital assuming the guy would surely need medical attention. They actually found the guy and questioned what he was doing. He said, I was trying to surprise my girlfriend and I fell. The cops came back to my house to tell me everything and showed me a picture. Sure enough, it was the pizza guy. They found rope, duct tape, a camera, and a knife in his car. I don't know what the hell he was planning to do that night, but I seriously will reconsider ever buying pizza again. I wonder how the hiring process is to be a pizza delivery worker. Like, do they actually do background checks? It's very unsettling to know that they can hire just anybody and not really think twice about it. Not only will the delivery person know where you live, but they can see who you are and also possibly have your number in their personal phones. So what happens if a pizza delivery person, or any delivery person for that matter, has a bad experience delivering to your home or takes a liking to you, like the guy in this story? and they end up quitting or getting fired not too long after, and they come back for you. All I know is, tip the fucking pizza guy so things won't end up bad. This story also has me wanting to get a dog. Because imagine if she didn't have the dog, what would she have done to protect herself, assuming she didn't have a weapon? She could have just thought it was some animal and didn't pay too much mind to it until it was too late. To the poster of this story, 
Give that dog extra treats now. For the next story, Let's Read will be giving a tell about a girl who comes across a deal that seems too good to be true. This quarantine made me question a lot of life decisions I made. Back in February when this all started, I was working two jobs, living with my best friend Lexi and enjoying the high life. Then we got thrown into lockdown and I swear, Lexi changed immediately. She was so serious about all the virus restrictions that even when I was in the house I had to wear a mask. I'm not even trying to downplay this by any means, but she was taking it to religious extremes here. Anyway, after one particular argument about washing my clothes three times, one for normal wash, one on heavy, and once a third time just to be safe, I had enough and told her I was going to move out. That was dumb move number one. I was already out of work, waiting and hoping for unemployment and really didn't have a place to go. My parents are elderly and live two states away, so I wasn't going to risk that. Then I got the brilliant idea to post an ad that I needed a room to rent on Craigslist. Yes, that still exists and is still just as sleazy. Lexi forced me to move out that same day though, calling me all sorts of bad names as she tossed my stuff on her front lawn. I didn't even get a chance to argue. So yeah, desperate times called for desperate measures and I put an ad on Facebook too with a revealing picture of myself. Call me what you will, but it worked. This older gentleman responded to the ad and contacted me via email. The short message provided me with a small allowance for my gas and instructions on how to get into his apartment when I got there. I didn't ask any questions, although looking back on it I really should have. You know that saying about too good to be true? Anyway, I grabbed a bite to eat and made it there around 5.30 on foot to save a taxi fee. Place looked nice enough and I followed his instructions to get buzzed in. He lived on the 6th floor and explained that because of some medical condition he couldn't meet me in the lobby. Again, stupid me, I didn't ask questions. As he told me in the email, there was a key waiting for me under his doormat. Inside the place looked nice, well put together. Nothing that made me paranoid or feel the need to run. Then I saw this guy standing in the kitchen wearing, I kid you not, a kabuki mask. At first I laughed because of how bizarre it was. He said his name was Hano and he wanted to keep the mask on because of the quarantine and provided me with one as well with a dragon design on it. He even claimed it was far safer than those other N95 masks and hey, I was getting a place to sleep so I figured why not. Next few minutes were him rambling about different things in the apartment and he showed me to the room. This is where things got a little creepy. I saw that he had some mannequins on display that were wearing traditional Japanese kimono dresses with other kabuki and they were all lined perfectly on the side of the bed. He insisted I pick one out and get changed. Again, his reasoning was my clothing had the virus on it. Once he excused himself, I sat down on the bed and tried to convince myself that this was normal. So, he was a little eccentric. It's not like he was trying to do something worse than that, right? I went over to one of the mannequins. I think he was wearing a scarlet kimono and took off the clothing, figuring that I needed to suck it up and appreciate the kindness of strangers. Then the mask it was wearing accidentally fell off, and I noticed that there was a hand-painted face on the other side. It looked very realistic. 
Once I got finished changing, I went back to the main room where he was now cooking up a fresh meal, and he complimented me on how well the dress fit. I thanked him and casually mentioned the hand painting. Would you like me to do one for you? He asked. But you only saw me when I first came in. I pointed out, gesturing to the mask I was wearing. It's alright. I've already memorized you. He said. I told him no and we ate in awkward silence as my eyes glanced around the room. I think the first thing that really made me concerned was when I realized I didn't see an open window in the place and that the door had a deadbolt on it. Do you get a lot of break-ins? I asked him. And again, in a deadpan voice, he said, More often than not, it's the other way around. Then a few seconds later, he laughed, and I laughed back nervously. He told me that he was going to bed and thanked me for staying with him, but I really didn't feel like I wanted to now. Hey, I uh, forgot to go grab my phone charger in the car. Where's the spare key? I remember asking. I was just going for an excuse to get out of there, honestly. This dude had an answer for everything, and this time used my own words against me. Crime is bad, and it's getting late. You can borrow one of mine and go in the morning. Now, I may not be smart, but I knew that staying probably would mean something bad. I got a sixth sense about it, you know? I have an iPhone. I think you've got Samsung, I said, hoping that my feeling was wrong and that he wasn't being overly creepy. Again, a dead stare and serious voice. You're not leaving. He said something in Japanese a second after that and clapped his hands. I don't know why I've never noticed that he had some of those sensor lights and it got dark in the room a second later. My instinct was to scream, but he placed something over my mouth and I felt immediately faint. But somehow I managed to not black out and I elbowed him right in the gut. Everything happened so fast after that. I turned around and grabbed what I think was his head and demanded that he tell me where the key was. I felt something smash against my side. I think I kicked him and managed to hit the wall where the light switch was. I flipped it back on and saw that he had fallen over the couch and one of his ornate antiques had smashed. To my thanks, it was also where the spare key was hiding. I grabbed it up and ran to the door as I heard him cuss something in his native tongue again, but I never looked back. When I got downstairs, I told the lobby I needed an Uber stat. I didn't care about money, I just wanted to leave. I saw the elevator moving downward as I raced out the door, and maybe it was my mind playing tricks on me, but I heard Hano ask the receptionist where I went. When I got far enough away from his apartment, I texted Lexi and begged her to let me back with her. I promised I would never complain about all her quarantine rules again. I told Lexi the whole thing when she did a little digging and the icing on top of this creep cake is that the guy apparently had been doing this for some time. Apparently he would target young women that were either trying to get out of a bad relationship or family situation and promise free rent, but then turned out to be a total creep, watching them night and day when they stayed with him. Two of the women Lexi said had gone completely missing. It made me think of those weird mannequins and I wondered if maybe the paintings he did were tributes to victims of his sick mind. I didn't want to think about how he had likely researched about me in the same way and how easily I could have wound up on that missing persons list. 
This story is terrifying because this has me thinking about all the times I would be looking for a room. Going to USC and living in Los Angeles, the prices for a room is like renting an entire home if you lived in other places. And you would see all of these posts on Craigslist or in different Facebook groups, random posts of entire homes or apartments being rented for incredibly cheap prices. Some of them obviously look fake, but then you would see some that actually look real, and they would be in some random location out in the middle of nowhere. Seeing what happened in this story is a reminder that if something seems too good to be true, then it probably is, and you should definitely be cautious when looking at places to rent, because it could be a trap or a setup for unsuspecting people who think they are getting a good deal. It's horrible what happened to this girl. And all I can think about is all those mannequins and the girls that apparently went missing. Moving on to the next story. This story would be about a mom and her daughter who go home early from a get-together only for the mom to experience that they are not alone when they get home. This happened in, I believe, July or August of 2017. My husband, our three daughters and I, were at the beach having a get-together with some of my extended family who lived in the area. It was a really nice time and good to connect with everyone. But after a couple of hours, my second oldest, age 13 at the time, came up to me and asked if I could take her home. I could tell by her expression and tone that she was pretty tired and she and I are both introverts and I'm sure she was less than thrilled to be spending a nice summer night with her cousins that are all a great deal older than her. I wasn't feeling too great myself so I found my husband and let him know that I was going to take her home and to let our other girls know as well. She and I got in the car and we made the short five-minute drive back to our house. It was only once we had parked, gotten up to the porch, and jiggled the door handle when we realized it was locked and I didn't have the key. My husband had the main one, and the absence of the fake rock in our garden told me that my oldest daughter had once again used a spare to get inside and had left it in the house. So I told my daughter to go around the back and try to climb in through the huge window above the kitchen sink. While she was making her way around the house, I tried calling my husband just in case she couldn't get in, but he didn't pick up the phone. Once again, not too out of the ordinary, the reception at the beach is terrible and he was probably busy anyway. I was in the middle of trying to call my oldest daughter when I looked through the window next to the front door, which allows you to see through to the kitchen in the back. And I saw my daughter standing in the kitchen doorway. It was dark thanks to the screen, so I could only make out her silhouette. But it was definitely her. I know my daughter. She's quite short like me and has a very petite figure like my mom. I could recognize her from miles off. Great job! I remember calling out. 
Come on, lock the door now. She didn't move. By the way she was standing, I could tell she was staring right at me. But she didn't move a muscle. At first I thought maybe she was on her phone or something. But I could clearly see her arms on either side of her. She was standing in quite an odd position as well. Her feet were a good distance apart and her arms were slightly raised from her sides. I didn't feel uneasy yet, but I was very confused as her and I continued to stare at each other for several more seconds. Lily? I remember saying again. No more than five seconds after her name left my mouth. My daughter came jogging out from the side of the house and up the steps, telling me that she couldn't get inside because there was a screen on the kitchen window and she couldn't pry it off. I stared at my daughter, my real daughter, for multiple seconds with what must have been a very terrified expression because her face instantly fell and she asked me if everything was okay. I couldn't answer, and I remember feeling my whole body start to shake as I slowly looked back at the window and into the house. Maybe I had imagined it. No, the thing in my house was now in the living room, still standing with that weird position and staring right at me, but now at least ten feet closer. Fear and adrenaline shot through my veins in a way only a mother can know. I practically yanked my daughter from those steps as we ran to the neighbor's house to get a spare key. Whatever was in my house was gone by the time we returned, or at least out of eyesight from the window. But I did not let my daughter leave the neighbor's house until I had inspected every inch to make sure there was no intruder. When I had more or less calmed down and was positive no one was inside, the whole thing started to seem more and more ridiculous as it played out in my head. The human brain automatically tries to give everything a logical explanation. So the more I thought about it, the more I was feeling like it had been imagined. I barely even considered calling the police. What would I say to them? Hello officers, I saw something in my house that looked exactly like my daughter, but I don't know what it was because she was standing right next to me when it happened? Absolutely not. I eventually chalked it up to me being exhausted, or whatever, because honestly, what else could it have been? The last thing I wanted to worry about was some random thing in my house, acting like the girl from the ring. I didn't tell my daughter about my experience. I just apologized for losing it a bit, and told her I thought I saw a wasp nest. Terrible lie truly, but she was either too tired, or didn't care enough to question it and her and I went straight to the TV room to watch her favorite show, Criminal Minds. This was not exactly my first choice of programs after whatever had just happened, but if it meant getting to keep an eye on my daughter for the night, I was more than happy to oblige. I know I said I chalked it up to imagination, but I still couldn't shake the feeling that my daughter was in danger. It tormented me for the rest of the night, I must have checked on her at least five times while she was sleeping. Over three years later, I still think about it frequently. 
it seems less and less like a terrifying daydream. I'm almost positive that there was something in my house that night. Let me know your thoughts on this. Am I being dramatic? Nothing has happened since I never told my husband or anyone else. But it still torments me to this day. Yesterday I was going to a friend's house that I had been to hundreds of times. We live on the same street about two to three miles apart. I literally turn right out of my street into the main road and drive straight to their house. It's the only house in the area completely surrounded by farmland. It's got a huge amount of bushes and trees surrounding it, to the point they literally call it the jungle. It cannot be missed. Here's where the glitch comes in. I'm driving down the road, and I come to a curve that I've never seen before, and I think, what the hell? Am I on the right road? There has never been a curve. I follow the curve around and end up going around a country block roughly a couple of miles away. I decide to drive back to my house just to make sure I'm on the right road. I get home, grab some beer out the fridge and head back out. I drive down the exact same road and once again end up at this curve and I once again drive around the block. Their house was not there. At this point, I truly believe I'm losing my mind. I look down at the clock, and over a half hour has passed. It would not have taken anywhere near this amount of time to drive all this distance, even with the quick stop at my house. I come to the intersection again, and think, I'm going down this road one more time, and then I'm heading home, because I'm losing it. I head down the road again, and lo and behold there's the jungle in all of its glory. I pull in and my friends are like, dude, where have you been? And I explain to them what happened. There's no explanation. I don't know if I went into the twilight zone or something, but I drove directly by their house twice, the only thing within miles, and it was not there. Anyone have any idea what could have happened here? My family decided to take a road trip in the summer. Restrictions were lightening up in our state and we really were sick and tired of being cooped up. So my wife suggested we surprise her folks upstate and drive to see them. We were about an hour into our trip when we ran into some highway construction outside of Galveston and had to take a detour. Traffic was bad, I was angry, the kids were whiny, and I remember pushing my foot down on the pedal and flooring it to go around a couple of cars at one merge to get going. Daniel, my wife chastised me about it right after it happened. Split second impulse temper, I guess. Anyways, as we went down the highway, I pointed out that a black Ford pickup truck had decided to cut by and was coming up behind us. Oh, so if they jump off a bridge, you would too? She questioned me. 
I rolled my eyes and just focused on the road while she decided to take a short nap. I guess it was 20 miles later I noticed that the pickup was still behind us and I thought that was a little strange. There had been enough gaps in highway merges that at least a little distance should have been made, but no, this driver had somehow managed to maintain closeness to us. I kept my eye on them for another 40, some sense of danger softly ringing in the back of my head I guess, but then I had to pull over and get gas, so I figured that they would just drive on, and they did, and I chalked it up to me being just a little paranoid. As I got out to fill up, I asked my wife and kids if they wanted a snack and went in to grab something. When I came back, I think I felt like I was doing one of those classic double takes from the movies. This black truck was right behind us at the pumps, and not only that, a gentleman had hopped out of his cab and was apparently chatting with my wife. I walked over the snacks and smiled cordially at them trying to figure out if I was just seeing things, but it was definitely the same truck. Howdy, name's Mitch. I was just getting friendly with the missus here, said y'all are headed towards Galveston. He asked with a strong southern twang. Yeah, family road trip. You? Oh, just about the same. Nice. I figured that was the case since you'd been behind us a while. I was hoping to catch him off guard, but the man just gave a short laugh. Didn't mean to, but I guess that's what happens. We've been on each other's tails since you decided to cut everyone off at that last interstate turnoff, huh? That sounds like an accusation. I blurted out. My wife later chided me for antagonizing the man, and maybe I shouldn't have, but he was definitely giving off some very strange vibes and this was before things got crazy. He didn't take the bait when I said that, instead just tipped his hat and waltzed back to his truck, and I got an earful from Brittany. I mean, he scared me at first, but I think he's just a little lonely, she offered. Right, well he can go make friends somewhere else, I said as we drove down the highway again. I felt like I couldn't get away from the truck fast enough. About another hour passed by and my wife was checking her social media when I noticed she got this frown on her face. Something up? I asked. I had all but forgotten about the strange encounter. Uh, it's just kind of weird. Remember that driver we met a while back? He just sent me a friend request on Facebook. Uh, well, delete it, I said bluntly. She chastised me again, but I was serious something didn't feel right. I checked to see if he was following us and Brittany got on to me for being a worrywart. He's not a serial killer, she teased, but she listened to me and blocked him on Facebook. We were halfway to our destination and decided to stop and get a bite to eat when he showed up again. It was this waffle house right off the interstate. Honestly, I hadn't seen him in about 40 miles so I was surprised that he had caught up. He just came in, ordered his food and sat down. Brittany said something about it and I told her to ignore it. I kept getting this feeling that he was watching us as we ate. Finally, she had gotten tired of my paranoia and walked over to this guy's booth. My husband wants to know if you're following us, she said. The guy just laughed so loud I think the whole <laughs> diner heard him. He rattled out some flimsy excuse I didn't buy and then asked if she got his friend request. I was furious and got up and grabbed her hand. Look. I don't know what your problem is, I said. 
Then this guy stood up and looked me dead in the eye like he was going to fight me then and there. One of the waitresses told us to take it outside, but I chose to leave before things got serious. When we got on the road again, Brittany realized that she had lost her phone at the diner. Let me use yours so I can Google where it's at, she told me. Using that Find My iPhone feature, she soon saw that it wasn't at the diner. It was moving down the highway towards us. I knew it had to be the other driver who found it and took it. God, is this guy seriously stalking us? I asked. My wife panicked and tried to call the phone, but it went straight to voicemail. The number you have dialed is not in service. Please check the number and try again. Then she started checking her social media. Daniel, this is scaring me. She said as she showed me that he had taken multiple pictures of our car as he had followed us for the last several hours. Call the cops, I told her as I tried to check my mirror and see where he was about five cars behind us. Okay, there's a rest stop ahead. Tell them that we'll meet them there, I said as she got on the phone with someone. They're saying it could be another 45 minutes since we're so far out, she said frantically as I pulled over. Right on cue, the other driver did too. Right, stay in the car then, I said when he pulled up behind us. Honestly, I was prepared to defend my family then and there, but... This guy took it to another level. He pulls out a sawed-off shotgun from his passenger side and aimed it toward me, blasting straight at my tires. I fell to the ground and shouted for my wife to do the same. He did so again on the driver's side and drove off. When the cops came, I did my best to offer a description of him and his vehicle, and they gave us phone numbers for a tow to the next town. We made it there a little after dinner, and honestly, I was so shaken and rattled by the encounter, I just wanted to go home. We even added the additional social media profile, hoping that it could help them find the person. And a few days later, they told us that they had found the vehicle. It had been abandoned somewhere, and apparently it was registered as stolen. So we had no clue who this guy was. The worst part about this whole story is that it's not really over. Every so often, my wife will see pictures of our car on social media, and know for a fact, it's gotta be the same guy. I was about seven years old, my brother about ten, and it was well past our bedtime when our mom woke up off the couch to put us to bed. Our dad worked construction out of town back then, so it was often just us three at the house for weeks at a time. Up the stairs and to the immediate right was our parents' bedroom. Going left put you in the middle of the hallway. Taking another left down the hallway led to my brother's room. The opposite end was my room, which was also across the hall from our upstairs bathroom. At either end of the hallway are windowed doors we always kept locked and rarely used. The door on my end led to a balcony overlooking our front yard, and the door on my brother's end opened to our back porch. The house kind of leans into a small hill. My brother and mom both had a habit of waking up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom. I only knew this because I was always a light sleeper, and they just couldn't help flushing with the door wide open. 
This night, however, my brother stopped on his way to his room and came back towards the bathroom. I'm going to try to pee before I go to bed. The past few nights I've been too afraid to walk to the bathroom. I keep seeing a man wearing stripes at the end of the hallway. I don't know if my mom wrote it off as my brother telling ghost stories to try to scare me or if she was already half asleep and didn't catch it. But she didn't react at all to my brother's confession. I, on the other hand, was terrified by it. The fear of seeing a ghost like that at the end of the hallway or through the windows is the reason I started running from the stairs to my bedroom at night. Years later, when I was about 18, my mom and I were having a conversation in her car about a dog we had for a very short time when I was little. We were sharing stories about Max's tendency towards destroying my shoes and other unruly behaviors when my mom blurted out, Do you remember that time I opened the front door for the cops and Max ran inside the kitchen and started tearing open that big bag of dog food we had? This really caught me by surprise because in all the years I lived in that house, we never once called the cops. I asked her what she was talking about and she looked equally surprised as if she had just revealed something by accident. Oh, that's right. I never told you because you were too young at the time. One night I woke up hearing noises outside my window and when I looked, I saw a man staring into my bedroom. She went on to describe how turning on the lights caused him to take off running and how she grabbed my dad's pistol before calling the cops. I can't remember all the details I gave them when they showed up. I was tall white male, wearing a striped shirt and jeans, short dark hair, something like that. They said it matched the description of a man they were looking for in the area. It turns out, he had escaped from jail on a murder charge. Now I know it sounds so obvious hearing these two stories back to back, but it wasn't until a few years ago, in my mid-twenties, that my brother had unknowingly warned us about a murderer who spent multiple nights casing our home. Well, that will wrap today's episode up. I want to thank Let's Read Again for coming on today's episode and sharing some scary tales. I really hope you all go check him out and subscribe to his YouTube channel and podcast which will all be in the description of this episode. Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O dot C-O.